In this edition of Global Print, dear viewer, I'm going to talk to you about the President of France, Emmanuel Macron's visit to India for the Republic Day celebrations. Now, we know that um, that the U.S. President Joe Biden, he could not come or was not able to come or refused to come. Uh, three options that I cannot tell you which one of the above is true. But whatever it was, a few weeks ago, Joe Biden told the Indian government to the Narendra Modi government that he cannot come uh, to the Republic Day celebrations. And uh, so at the last minute, India invited the French president. And guess what? He said yes. Now, the immediate takeaway from this um, acceptance is that it solidifies the India-France relationship. Now, that's a very obvious kind of takeaway. We know that in the last uh, few years, India has been buying a lot of defense equipment from France. Uh, in 2016, uh, during the Narendra Modi government, um, India bought 36 Rafale fighter aircraft. Uh, in the last few months, India has again uh, shown its interest, very keen interest actually, to buy another 26 uh, marine Royal Rafale aircraft plus three submarines. Now, this is a cool few billion dollars. And uh, while there has been some discussion on why India is not buying American defense equipment, but is preferring to buy a French defense equipment. Now, that's another argument and we won't uh, we won't use it here or we won't discuss it here. The fact is that the defense cooperation between India and France is really the underpinning of its diplomatic relationship. Now, the French president, uh, this is not the first time that France has had a president to the Republic Day. Over the last several decades, every French president has come to, to towns for as chief guest of the Republic Day. But somehow this one seems special. And uh, one of the reasons for that is that France stepped in very quickly, Macron stepped in very quickly to accept India's very last minute invitation. And that sort of averted a potentially embarrassing situation for India. But there is another message that this sends, and that is that India has more than one very good friend apart from the US, uh, which it has a very strong relationship, a very strong partnership with. Uh, it has, uh, there is Russian President Vladimir Putin. We know over the last couple of years, um, after the Russia invasion of Ukraine, and it's going to be two years uh, in the end of February, that um, that India continued to buy large quantities, quantities of Russian oil, even though the West had applied uh, very strong sanctions against Russia and against Putin and his, um, and his uh, ilk. But India... Uh, in a sense, defied those sanctions. So India continued to buy oil from Russia, which underscored the old um, India-Russia relationship. But France is there very much there in the top three, and uh, Macron's acceptance of this invitation only proves the point. Now, there is something interesting about Macron. Um, in fact, it reminds me of when Bill Clinton, the former U.S. president, came to India in 2000, that he didn't come for the Republic Day ceremonies. Here He came on a state visit in March of 2000. But there was something really interesting about that visit, because first of all, it was within two years of India's nuclear tests um, under Atal Bihari Vajpayee. In 1998, India had gone nuclear um, within, and immediately that that set of uh, sanctions that the Americans imposed on India. Within a year of that, um, the, those sanctions had ended 
And then within a year of that, which is in early 2000, in March 2000, in fact, Bill Clinton came to India. And I'm going to ask you to look at the and some of the photographs and videos from the time uh, when Clinton was both in Delhi and in Jaipur, uh, accompanied by his daughter, Chelsea, his wife, Hillary, didn't come on that visit. And the reason I'm thinking about Bill Clinton right now is because Macron has also started his India visit with Jaipur. Uh, and has come to Delhi, although I think in Clinton's time it was the other way around. But those pictures of Clinton with these Rajasthani women dancers, you know, being showered with rose petals, I think has to be one of the most defining moments of the India-US relationship. And it just shows that actually when people do things differently, it's not just the agreements and the pacts and the treaties and the diplomatic stuff uh, that makes for a relationship, but also the people to people, people stuff, the places you go to. So Macron is going uh, to Amir, to the Amir Fort, uh, as well as uh, he's visiting Hava Mehel. And guess what? Prime Minister Modi is flying to Jaipur to meet uh, Macron and they will have uh, um, a tete-a-tete on the eve of the Republic Day in the Rambak Palace, which is a hugely, very, very, very beautiful uh, old palace now converted into a hotel. So uh, th- there is, so like I was saying earlier, there is something interesting about Macron. He's French, of course, and that's always interesting. But he's also married to an older woman. And that says something, I think, for for him, because it, it sort of indicates that he's willing to step out of the narrow hole that most people uh, find themselves in and live the rest of their lives in. Uh, I would actually describe it as a certain je ne sais quoi that Macron has and which Clinton has, or at least had in uh, in abundance. So Macron filling in Joe Biden's large shoes definitely sends the message, like I said earlier, that India has more than one very good friend, Biden himself, Vladimir Putin, and Macron, or the US, Russia, and France, not necessarily in that order. But it definitely sends the message to the world that that the world is uh, wooing India and that India is a powerful nation and that when it invites people, uh, people come. So the fact that Biden refused to come or could not come, whatever the truth is, uh, that's really his loss. And I think the world sees it this way. So the point that I'd like to make in this video, uh, dear viewers, is that as Prime Minister Modi goes into uh, the elections in a few months from now, into the general election, which he is likely to win the way it seems uh, as of now, uh, his foreign policy over the last 10 years has had few definitive elements. The first is that brute strength matters. And in that sense, uh, his external affairs minister, Mr. Jay Shankar, in the last in the second term and earlier, um, Ms. Sushma Swaraj, unfortunately, she is no more. But in the last 10 years, increasingly, this truism that strength matters, economic pro- prowess uh, matters, and that the world will come to you no matter the criticism that it has for you in several other spheres, perhaps for example, in the human rights violations or in the fact that several governments believe that the Modi government leans towards a hardline right-wing Hindutva and therefore therefore doesn't treat its minorities on an equal footing, that criticism can be ignored or brushed aside or pushed under the carpet if you are a strong nation. 
Now, China learned this lesson a long time ago. And for the longest time, I think India refused to uh, think about strength only in such unidimensional terms. But in the Modi government, we've seen increasingly, and especially in the last five years, that the government has pushed for this uh, parameter, which is that strength matters and that brute strength matters. And the reason I say this, because if you look around you, there are two things that are happening in the world. The first is that the Russia-Ukraine war has lasted two years. Now, Vladimir Putin didn't really give a toss for world opinion when he went ahead and invaded Ukraine. Um, and that war has gone on uh, for nearly two years now. And the second thing that has happened is that in the wake of that horrific October 7th attack by Hamas on innocent Israeli citizens uh, last year on, uh, on October 7th, the Israeli army has pounded Gaza has pounded the Palestinian people. And in the last 100 days and a few, more than 25,000 Palestinians have been killed. Now, this is an immoral war. It's completely unjustified. The annihilation of a people is taking place in broad daylight. And the UN Security Council, when it has assembled again and again and again to discuss the war and to stop Israel from continuing with the war, there is one country that has supported Israel through thick and thin, and that is the U.S. So if it were not for U.S. backing, the Israelis would have shut down its war a long time ago. But look, let's look at it this way. If it was any other country in the world, if it was Russia, if it was China, if it was the Europeans, I think the moral outrage and the anger that would have accompanied this kind of um, uh, attack on an innocent people who are paying for the sins of a few terrorists, this would never have been allowed to take place. But the Americans have shaken off and shrugged off all the criticism that has been coming the way these last several weeks and months. And that is the lesson that the Modi government is absorbing, which is that brute strength matters. Now, what are the elements of brute strength, whether it's economic prowess? Well, primarily it is economic prowess and military might. And these are the two things that it has taken to heart. So the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Vladimir Putin, Putin, in fact, emboldened by the fact that the Americans are defending Israel in the manner in which they have been the last few months. And the American uh, uninhibited defense of Israel. So in conclusion, I'd like to say that as Prime Minister Narendra Modi goes to the polls in a few months from now, aiming to be Prime Minister of India for the third time running. And if he wins, this will only be the second time in India's history since Jawaharlal Nehru that such a feat has been accomplished. That the Modi government's foreign policy is dominated by two clear elements. The first is the pursuit of brute strength. And I just described to you what that means. The, Israel, uh, the, the, the American defense of Israel and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And an example of the second was uh, was very clear last week when External Affairs Minister Mr. Jaishankar went to attend the Non-Aligned Movement Summit in Kampala, Uganda. Remember the Non-Aligned Movement, um, dear viewers? In the early years uh, of the Republic, when Jawaharlal Nehru tried to maneuver India between the two blocs that had uh, that that had dominated world politics at the time between the U.S. and the former Soviet Union. And uh, Nehru, along with Nasser of Egypt and Tito of Yugoslavia, were the dominant leaders or the dominant players of this non-aligned movement or this non-aligned 
block. Well, Nam is dead and has been dead for a few decades now, uh, but it's probably alive only in name. It doesn't do very much, doesn't have much influence at all in the world. And that's exactly what this government is trying to do, which is that that Mr. Jay Shankar is, um, attended the NAM summit, or the new phrase for that is the Global South, to show that, uh, to show up, to show face, and also to watch what China is doing. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, do write in, do comment, uh, and do let me know what you think about this video. Thank you again.